1: there, everybody. Welcome back to Electric Liberty Land. I am Brian McWilliams, the one and the only, the host of this year podcast, and this is episode number 236, meaning you can go and find show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash episodes slash ELL 236. I have a very special guest I'm going to bring on in just a minute, but before I do, I want to ask you guys, please do us a favor, join the Patreon as little as $5 a month. A lot of you have just jumped on there, which is great, probably stemming from uh, Mark talking with Clint from Liberty Lockdown, having him on for a Bonus episode. Of course, we do a lot of other bonus content. I told you I've got my do nothing man episodes. That's going to be breaking soon, as soon as the great Roger Paxton gets back to with the narration that he's providing, as well as my good morning fuckhead daily rants. You can't miss out on those. It's a great time. Sign up, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. So now I'm about to bring on a very special guest here. Uh, I'm excited to have her on. Kind of a funny story, which uh we'll get into as I uh, as a introduce her here, but Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, Olivia Rondeau.
0: Hello, thank you for having me. And yes, it was a weird story, I think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, my God. I mean, it's the same way I meant actually Clint from Liberty Lockdown, I just mentioned, was on Monday's show. But uh, yeah, we were doing a case race. You weren't partaking, although maybe you were drinking at home. I I don't know. I don't know your uh, your case race habits. I
0: was not drinking. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) So yeah, we had... uh, there was a case race that was organized by Will Fight, and I take place in that. And, uh, man, I won it, but I lost the battle against my liver. <laughs> like I lost my memory. It was ridiculous. But you were part of that live Twitter uh, stream. You were taking part and kind of came on at times. And uh, I remember having some drunken interactions with you that were pretty funny, including, I believe, a threat to touch your hair, which is the biggest taboo yeah. uh, out there. <laughs>
0: That was very strange because I had never talked to Will before either. I never DM'd him. He just sent me a random DM. It was like, join no. this stream, had no explanation, nothing. Oh, right. So I was, like, ah. I was like, fuck it.
1: <laughs> Are you serious? I thought I when he invited you to join it, I was like, okay, he must know this uh, this Olivia person from somewhere. Because
0: I that was Not my first really. time I mean, that I came metral. interaction with you. <laughs> we're mutual <laughs> on Twitter, but we had never like, DM'd or talked like that before. <laughs> so this is oh, funny. so funny.
1: That's hilarious. And even funnier that you managed to stick around and trust a person like me to have you on his podcast. (laughs) I don't know about your I don't know about your life decisions here, but uh, anyway, yeah. Welcome to the show. Um, you know, you and I have been talking a little bit on Twitter back and forth, and of course, you know, I saw you've been obviously building notoriety. And uh, to give you a formal introduction for those who are not aware of Olivia and the work she's doing, you are a writer. Uh, you are a contributor to Fee, which I love. You know, Fee.org, one of my favorite websites. I saw you are writing for them. Now, uh, you've mm-hmm. been a um, a reporter or or I should say a contributor for the daily caller and for, I think there's one other one I'm missing too, right? What was the other one? You're I'm a
0: columnist at the rogue review as well.
1: Yes. The rogue review. And of course you were also a collegiate wrestler at East Stroudsburg university and you're studying political science. So you're, uh, you're getting out there. You're throwing, throwing some haymakers I see on Twitter in your columns and also have been uh, really out there making some impressive strides, I guess, in the public sphere, um, but before I get into that, let me let me hear a little bit more about your background. You know what what got you into the politics? Tell me a little bit about your evolution as far as the way you see the world and just kind of who you are as a person.
0: I think the main thing that influenced my politics is my martial arts background, and my wrestling background, and to the rest to other wrestlers this makes sense but a lot of wrestlers are not necessarily like republican or like hardcore like right wingers but they're just very like independent and they don't really care what people think about them so not that they have a lot of extremist views but they have views that are not like acceptable like to the left so there's like a lot of conservatives and a lot of libertarian wrestlers that i've met just not even mm-hmm. through political events at all just like happen to be teammates and whatever um, so I think me just having the confidence to wrestle in the first place, like being the only girl on my team and stuff, I just like stopped. Can I cuss on here?
1: Oh, God, please. Okay. I was like, I yeah, curse, curse it up, drop fucks, <laughs> shits, whatever you could say. <laughs> like, see you next Tuesday, whatever you want. I don't care.
0: Okay. I was about to say, I stopped giving a fuck because I grew <laughs> up like very like conscious of what everybody thought of me and i still am to an extent like everybody is but once i started wrestling i really just kind of dropped the majority of that and i wouldn't say i grew up in like a strictly like republican or libertarian household like it wasn't super political but i think the way i was raised like doing sports hunting fishing shooting guns that was almost like a conservative or libertarian yeah. upbringing, just the fact that I was brought up in the outdoors and to take care of myself and to be independent and, you know, to stand up for myself. So I think that did influence my politics and the way I speak about politics a lot. Like, I feel like if I didn't wrestle, I might be more shy and, um, less likely to like put myself out there.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I had a conversation with a guy drunkenly at a bar, which is how I you know, get most of my Liberty conversations going, yeah. actually. But uh, we were talking about how, yeah, wrestling in general, and also the WWE and kind of pro wrestling has a very libertarian streak in it or a very, uh, I say, individualist I mean, I streak in it. I actually
0: noticed a bunch of WWE wrestlers are randomly following me, like Dolph Ziggler <laughs> kind of following me. I was <laughs> like... <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I was like, that's cool, I guess. But I don't know
1: why. <laughs> I'm telling you, because I think it's exactly what you're talking about, though, is that a lot of them, you know, it, I think there is an individualist mentality that goes along with wrestling. Because even though you're you're on a team, but it's still, it's like you out there. It's a one-on-one yeah. skill set. Uh, you know, you have to do it. You have to have your own personal drive. And like you said, it's also... For a lot of wrestlers, you do have to give no shits about what people think about you. You're out there in the leotard, you know, the wrestling leotard. Yeah, it's not. They don't cute. look great. They don't look cute. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good look at anybody of any sex. <laughs> so you know, it's like one of those things where I do, I do agree with you that it's probably really um, an independent thinking kind of way to go, mm-hmm. and I think that bleeds into like in the mainstream media, and it's one of those things where I really wish more wrestlers like you know Kane Jacobs, Glenn Glenn Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the guy's become mayor and he's outwardly libertarian. And I wonder if you're going to see a little bit more people get encouraged. And honestly, you might be a part of that is encouraging these people to speak up more because you are so political.
0: You know what? It's very interesting because there are I probably shouldn't name them, but there are certain uh, Olympic wrestlers that follow me on Twitter and I see them like liking my tweets, but they won't like retweet me. And, you know, I'm pretty sure they have a large fan base and like people are watching them and stuff. But I would, like, I do think a lot of men's and women's wrestlers that are, like, pretty high level do think very similarly. They do think, like, have more of a liberty, like, independent mindset. And, you know, maybe I am helping kind of to push that out there. Maybe they'll, like, take the torch and put it on the world stage or something. That would be dope. Yeah.
1: Well so what so you said wrestling definitely helped you get more into the way you're thinking but did anything else kind of inspire you or bring you to that point of view more so and when did you start really paying to pay attention to politics you're a political science major so yeah. clearly that's something that you want to go into more more as a uh, professional career so tell me a little bit about that
0: Yeah this this always makes people feel super old but it would, I was in high school during the 2016 election I was 15 um and yep, that, You're right yeah. I do feel really old <laughs> Yeah, um, know <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have to do it. And that's when I first started paying attention. And at first I was like pretty like I went through a phase like right after middle school until I was like 15, 16. I was like pretty liberal, I guess, at least really mm-hmm. socially liberal. You know, I was still raised to like shoot guns and stuff. So I was never like a complete statist, you know, mm-hmm. to that extent. But I was still like very, wor- I was like still like in that phase where like everybody was like racist or everyone was like yeah, sexist yeah. or something so of course my first interact with politics is like me scrolling through tumblr or just like me talking to my little friends in english class like oh my god did you hear this white supremacist donald trump is running for president you know me and my little friends are like, you know jabbing or whatever and then i noticed some of the guys on my wrestling team were actually like pretty pro-trump And it kind of shocked me because they were not like racist. One of them was black and he was like the most like MAGA guy I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this really confused me. Like this is not competing with what I've been told. So I go home. I'm like, dad, like these kids at school are crazy. Like half of them are telling me that Trump is a white supremacist. And the other half, including some of my friends who are black on the wrestling team, they like Trump and my dad's black. And he was like, well, I like Trump. He's not a white supremacist. (laughs) And I was like, how could you? Like I was a little offended at first. But then, you know, I started digging into it. I'm like, holy shit, like that's when I started digging into like the Clinton crime family and shit. And I was like, Holy shit, like the Democrats are protecting me. <laughs> I cannot be a Democrat. Even if I did have more socially socially liberal like tendencies, especially back then, I was like, I cannot like support the Democrats, at least this election cycle. And then as I'm going into Trump's history, I'm like, okay, did he actually do anything that was as bad as people were, were saying? It? And I just found that that wasn't, that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as well, I, I progressed-
1: sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I, it's interesting because yeah. you talked about finding, you know, going in and finding your- you know, more information, diving deep the internet. I mean, this is something I've heard this story or maybe not this exact story, but I've heard people that were around your age set. Um, you know, that age range of 15, 16, 17, 18 that are now just going to college actually coming around to view and separate themselves from this groupthink mentality in the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to a, a friend of mine's daughter who is, uh, she's 16 now, but she is hates Kamala Harris and. You know, she hates her because she looked into all of this stuff that she's done as a prosecutor, as a DA, where Mm -hmm. she's keeping evidence, she's keeping people in jail, she's threatening people with, you know, putting them in in prison if their kids don't show up on school and stuff, you know, really terrible things. And I feel like your generation has much more capability and capacity for getting to the truth than any other generation before you. So that's like breaking that stranglehold the mainstream media is trying to keep on everybody.
0: Yeah, we definitely have an advantage and also kind of a disadvantage because the reason I thought that Trump is a white supremacist and the Republicans were all neo-Nazis wasn't really, it wasn't like I was sitting at home watching CNN as a middle schooler. I was on the internet, you know, talking mm-hmm. to my internet friends who were saying the same thing. So I think it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I fall into this kind of MAGA mentality for a hot minute and I was, okay, so I'm not a Democrat. And I didn't know what being a libertarian was. I didn't know what being unaffiliated was. So I was like, I guess I'll just be. Well, almost
1: nobody knows what being a libertarian is nowadays. Even if you research it, it's still very hard yeah. to describe.
0: i like <laughs> never even heard of it. I had no idea there was even a third choice. Yeah. So I did support Trump and I still liked the guy, but now I'm just looking back on it being like, okay, now that I'm more consistent on my beliefs and I can actually pinpoint like the policies that I like and don't like, I'm looking back on when I was like a hardcore like MAGA person and being like, hmm, that's not really consistent with what I believe now but the only real reason I kind of settled for that was because I really didn't think there was any other choice. So the things I liked about Trump were I de- I liked how he wasn't trying to start any new wars. I liked mm-hmm. that. I mean, I, this is like very anti-libertarian. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty strong in immigration. I liked that. Um, I liked the talk. I like that. He's a businessman. But then I was like looking at some of the other stuff that a lot of his supporters support, which is like, fine. You're allowed to have your own opinions, but I'm not like a super big, like, Israel first like Zionist person that was something that a lot of the Trump base cared about and I found I found myself when I first became like a Trump supporter I was like you know just retweeting you know whatever Trump would retweet or retweeting whatever the his supporters would retweet so I ended up retweeting a lot of stuff like oh my god like yes Trump is sending this money to Israel like he's (laughs) Israel first I'm like wait why is that even a good thing Like, why are we sending anybody foreign
1: aid, let alone Israel, which has so much money, so much power? So much we give them, we give them military uh, armaments that we can't even use. I mean, it's it's insane to to support it,
0: yeah. And the other thing was like the thin blue line thing, which when Mm -hmm. I was a kid, I never, I've never been like a cop worshiper or anything. But I went from being like, well, there's only a couple bad cops, but it's not their fault because they're just following orders to now being like, well, they sign up for the job, knowing that they're going to have to follow those orders. So yeah, the whole system kind of needs to be reformed. Um, so yeah. Um, so those are like the two main things like the foreign aid thing. uh, Um, I don't want to say like, I'm anti Israel. I'm just saying like the ultra Zionism and the foreign aid thing specifically to Israel that every Trump supporter thought was like, so, so amazing. And so groundbreaking when it really isn't. And that honestly, both parties support a huge um, amount of foreign aid to Israel. So that wasn't super fun. And then the whole thin blue line things. Then I was like, okay, there has to be, you know, another choice because I do agree with Trump supporters on a lot of things. Like I'm not ragging on the people that, you know, supported me originally or whatever. I did vote for Trump in 2020. That's it is what it is. Um, But then I started feeling like, okay, well I'm passionate about things like ending the war on drugs. I'm passionate about things like criminal justice reform. So maybe I'm more of a libertarian. Now I haven't registered as a libertarian for numerous reasons, um, I'm never registered. Well, number
1: one, you get on the government watch list immediately or labeled it extremist uh, as for the threat to <laughs> yeah, the Biden that's administration. <laughs> that's one good reason I to avoid
0: that. I'm on a couple lists <laughs> at this point, just based on my online activity. But yeah, I'm, I'm honestly now, I'm open to vote for Republicans or Libertarians. I can't picture myself voting for a Democrat at this point in time, unless they were just completely against the you know Democrat platform, but who knows? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, tell me a little bit about... so. You know, we, we know you're obviously, uh, like I said, you've blown up. And I want to come back around to this because you were on Pause with Sam Jay. And I was curious how that came about because that was, you know, it's a, a big platform HBO Max. She's a stand-up that comedian. That so I couldn't even
0: tell you how that came about. That really?
1: Happened- yeah, uh, I thought maybe it was like, oh, a tweet blew up or somebody connected you that way because she must have heard about you through the grapevine in in some way of speaking, though, because, you know, you're young. Like I said, she wanted to talk to like young black conservatives at the time. And now you'd already had, I think, a little evolution from your previous position, like you said, no longer so much as a MAGA person. But um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it goes to show you, though, the fact that they're aware of you um, goes to show that your point of view is getting through and that the fact that they have you on means that there's definitely a segment of the population that's looking to hear more voices like yours.
0: Yeah. And that was confirmed after I got off the show. Cause it got like my inbox and my followers like blew up after that, but I could never pinpoint where they, you know, found me from if it was Twitter from YouTube. I, if they saw me on like a different podcast or interview or something, I could never really pinpoint it because it was one day back in like February. I think I got an email. It looked like it was spam. honestly, I got an email that was saying that she was a, a casting director with HBO, saying that she was working on the Untitled Sam Jay project. I didn't even know what it was at that point. And said that she was looking for one female and one male black conservative and asking if I would be okay with it or if I knew anybody else. So originally, I recommended like two or three of my other friends to do it um, mm-hmm. because they're actually looking, this email actually specifically asked for a Republican. And mm-hmm. I was like, I called her and I was like, Hey, I like, really appreciate it. I would love to do it. But a disclaimer, I don't know if I'm exactly what you're looking for because I'm biracial. Like, I don't know if you wanted like somebody who has like, you know, the quote unquote, full right, yeah. black the real black
1: credentials. Yeah. You yeah. Know,
0: <laughs> I don't know if I had like the N word pass or whatever. Cause we ended up saying the N word right. a lot in that show, but I guess <laughs> I did. Um, and I didn't know if they wanted somebody who was a card carrying, like registered Republican. And I informed them of that, that I was, halfway and not a Republican, but just a conservative or conservatarian or whatever. And, you know, we went back and forth for a little bit and she called around and tried to recruit some other people and got back to me. It was like, Hey, actually, we really like you. Um, and that was that. And then, so she asked me if I knew a male guest and I recommended like two friends and we ended up settling on King Randall, which was a coincidence because I had him on my podcast like the day before I got that email or something like it was crazy. So we had just barely met just, um, yeah. just over StreamYard. That was it. Um, but then the next month I was getting flown out to New York and we, I was there for like, I don't know, like a week or so. Cause I had to quarantine for like oh, five right, or six yeah. days in Brooklyn and I couldn't leave my hotel room for six days. But it was That's like fun. a really, it was a really bougie hotel room. And they kept coming back to refill the minibar. So I was like, set, oh, Like, nice. I, I was chilling, to be honest. I didn't really mind. <laughs> yeah. No, well, and
1: I, was, and I thought you yeah. did a good job on the show, you know, convention. I mean, I also appreciated Sam J. You probably appreciate this as well. Her interviewing yeah. style was, was good. It was, it wasn't a confrontational yeah. approach, which I thought was interesting. Tell was me a little, a little bit, bit about, scared, about the interactions with her. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: And also I want to know what was it on
1: camera? What did she cut out? Is there anything you remember specifically that she cut out? The interview
0: was the real interview was like an hour and a half. And the episode that the part I was in was like 15 minutes. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot that ended up getting edited out, which is fine because I understand they have a time constraint to meet. It wasn't like I felt misrepresented at all because I felt like that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like the points that they narrowed it down to were the points that I cared the most about. So a lot of the stuff that they cut out, um, it was a lot of filler or just a lot of, um, of my points about subjects that weren't really connected to black conservatism, which was what the episode about, like, you know, I, I talked about like immigration and stuff like that, but I guess it wasn't really that relevant to the conversation. Oh,
1: hold on. I lost you for a second. Hold oh, hold on. Olivia, are you there? Hold on. Yeah. I lost you for a sec. You cut out on me for a minute. Okay. Can, you, can you still see me? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you cut out. So it said that you lost it a little bit. Uh, you're talking about immigration, and then I think you started cutting out on me a little
0: bit. Okay, um, so she was asking about immigration and like all these different topics, but I guess they wanted to keep the theme centered towards like racial conservatism and like economics, which is basically right. what we cut the episode to. But um, on the couple calls I had with the producer before I even flew to New York and the day like before. Um, I went to set, I actually like Skyped with Sam before, like the day before. And she was like, look, I know that, you know, you think that on a liberal platform or something, somebody's going to try to come for you. That's not what I'm here for. I just want to understand. And also I had talked to King, like me and King were like hanging out at the hotel and stuff, talking about what we were going to not really, not like a game plan, strategizing
1: behind the scenes,
0: (laughs) not not really,
1: but I was a good idea though. I mean, shit, you might as well.
0: Well, I was telling him I was grateful that he was the male guest they picked because I won't name names, but they did tell me some of the other choices for the male guests that they had in mind on their shortlist. And I was like, you know, I could probably get along with those people, but we wouldn't be putting on a united front for black conservatism. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple of different factions of black conservatives. And I was just glad that me and King were representing a united front of people who consider themselves Pro black, pro freedom, you know, pro family, pro capitalism. Like we had a lot of the same shit in common. So that yeah. was pretty cool. But yeah, so we got on set and it, w- it was honestly a whirlwind. We didn't talk to Sam at all until we were literally recording. Like there was no like backstage meeting or anything like that. They shoved us out on the set and we we're just like sitting there talking. And I, it was pretty nerve wracking. But after a couple of minutes, I realized like she was, she really wasn't there to like attack me. Like she wasn't like accusing me or pointing her finger. Like, how could you do this? How could you, you know, sell out your race or sell out your family or whatever? Like it was a, I could tell she genuinely wanted to know, or at least wanted to portray, you know, my message to her audience. So that was pretty dope.
1: Yeah. Well, and it was interesting. And I remember I was watching it. I was kind of binge watching it uh, one night and I sent you a Twitter message, but this was something, I mean, and it was, I thought it was very brave, but you had you know, said on the show, you said, it's the first time saying this, but I'm coming out as bisexual, which I thought was really interesting. And I I don't know if you pre-planned that. Uh, this is no. what I want to ask you about. I didn't <laughs> think so. <laughs> but, I mean, I have to say, though, shit, I mean, it's like, it's something where, you know, it's a two-pronged question. You know, one is... Um, you know, how you felt in the immediate aftermath of that. If you got off the, and you were like, Oh shit, what did I just do? Um, Oh yeah.
0: It was, it was nerve wracking on and off camera. It was, it was a, it was a day, but the, that story actually kind of started the night before and it it wasn't really planned at all. I'm telling you right now it wasn't planned, but mm-hmm. I have a gay friend who lives in New York. His name is Mikey. He works with the walkaway movement, like with Brandon Straka and all those other like gay conservative people. Mm-hmm. And I love him. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. So like we met for dinner the night before and he, he didn't know I was by either. And so I was just talking to him about it and how I felt like um, I was kind of trapped in, I wouldn't say I was trapped in like a lie because it's not like I was going around saying like, I'm straight and you're lying if you say I'm not, but it was like, mm-hmm. I wasn't being open with it. And I was just expressing how depressed I felt. And I was expressing how I was very scared. Like somebody could like expose me, like post screenshots or post pictures, right, yeah, of yeah. Like, you know, I didn't know if somebody would be vengeful or whatever. And I did have, this didn't come from somebody I had been involved with, but I did have like random comments every once in a while. Like, oh, I know Olivia is like lesbian or gay. She's just hiding. It's only a matter of time Mm. before somebody exposes her. And it would come from liberals. It would come from people who thought that I was, was, yeah, it would come from people who thought I was like self, a self-hating conservative who like was trying to like suppress my sexuality or whatever, which is what I was when I was like younger, but not now. I just wasn't comfortable to like share it. Mm-hmm. anyway so i'm telling him all this and he's like oh just go home and like come out to your mom because your mom will be accepting and i was like okay like in a, you know in a couple of days when i get home like i'll tell my mom and that was really the end of the discussion the next day you know i knew that same day was lesbian obviously like i had like seen her some of her stuff before knew she had a girlfriend all that mm-hmm. but i did not anticipate her asking me that just because that wasn't the topic of the episode at all it was more racial focused not like sexual orientation focused at all Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess I probably should have anticipated that just because if you are gay, you probably are wondering what a conservative would think about you, some level. So when she asked that and King just kind of gave a straight up answer and he's, you know, he's a religious dude. He's not, I wouldn't say he's like pro LGBT, like as the movement, but he's an accepting person like towards individuals. So he was just like... Um, you know, he runs this organization, the X for boys in, um, Albany, Georgia. And he was just like, you know, if I have a boy that comes to me, that's gay, or he feels like he's a girl, that's whatever. Like he can still join the program. Like it's whatever, like yeah. he'll, he'll just accept anybody. It's not, not his business. And then she, I, turns I, uh, to- I liked your article
1: on fee, by the way, about him. It was really interesting. Oh, uh, sorry. You. Not to get off topic. Yeah. Yeah. Stay on topic. Yeah, it was a great he's, article.
0: He honestly, he's more famous than me. He deserves to be. So you should interview him. <laughs> next. But, um, uh, gladly. Yeah. but um so then sam turns to me and i was just like i felt like my face turned like so bright like bright red i don't know if it showed up on camera but i literally felt like my face burning i felt so embarrassed (laughs) and i just like didn't want to lie because i i I felt like if i would say some generic answer like oh yeah gay marriage and somebody was gonna like dig some shit up on me you know scroll through instagram or twitter or find screenshots and be like oh she's lying like this is she's gay like you know what i mean (laughs) like i thought somebody was gonna like come out and expose me and i felt like it was a safe space too because i didn't know king that well but we were already like friends at this point because we were stuck in the fucking hotel for a week and (laughs) right exactly we could only hang out with each other
1: you're quarren
0: buddies yeah we were basically quarren buddies Um, And then, of course, Sam was gay. So I I didn't feel like I was in, like, a homophobic environment. However, there was, like, 35 producers around us off, like, on the side of the camera at all times. So I was like, this is, like, a. it wasn't like it was just, like, King, her, and the camera. It was, like, a shit ton of people around. So I did feel very nervous. And I, at the time, I didn't even say I was bi. Like, I didn't even specify because I couldn't even put a label on it. I was just, like, so uncomfortable to even say it. She just asked, like, Olivia, like, what are your thoughts on, like, Queer people, and I was yeah. like, I'm part of that community, and I was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so after I after the show aired, like, I got so many messages like you're lesbian, like you're gay, you're trans, like people were just trying to guess because they just look <laughs> weird, and which is fine. I just like don't yeah. use the term, I just don't use that label, but it was whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like I said, I mean, it's, it was very, it's interesting to see it happen. I was just like, I was like, Oh shit. Well, there you go. But like I said, yeah. it, it's hard to do. It's really putting yourself out there a lot and you don't, and you don't know what the response is going to be. Um, you know, and hopefully
0: it was surprisingly good. I, I thought that yeah. maybe a bunch of conservatives that have followed me might have said some nasty shit and a little bit, like a little bit, but mm-hmm. less than I expected, which is good because the people who have followed me who, you know, just assumed I was straight, I had always been pro-gay marriage and shit on my page anyway. So it wasn't like it was a a surprise that I was, you know, pro-gay people. It was just a surprise that I was one of them. So...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, do you think... I mean, it's kind of interesting. I was wondering if that in any way, you know, obviously uh, being half black helps a little bit and, you know, fending off the progressives, I would hope. And, you know, yeah. I, I was wondering if that also, you know, saying, look, you know, I'm bi, I'm part of the community. If that has given you any sort of, uh, of inroads with people listening a little bit more towards your message, what you have to say or attacking you less, or is it made them attack you more because they feel similar to what you'd said Some other people have voice, like you're betraying the cause now that they know even more so that you're something that should align. It's with a little bit of both. And Democrats and all that shit. Yeah,
0: it's a little bit of both. And one of the most interesting critiques I've got is like, oh, she's half black and she's half gay. Like she can't fucking pick one. Like she can't even. <laughs> she can't even put okay. the box. Like that, I Uh, I really got that comment. I was like, you know what? That's a funny joke. I might be depressed about it later, but that's funny. Um,
1: (laughs) Well, at least if you're laughing at it though, you're owning it. That's the important thing. And it's like,
0: yeah, that's what you have to view
1: this though. it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to have so many shitty people out there and uh, you just got to laugh it off. You know, it's like, that's where your wrestle mentality, the individuality comes into play. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. But then after off the show, I had like an outpouring of messages from gay people, mostly gay black people who were not Republican, were not right wing in the slightest, who were outpouring their support for me being like, you know, I am a liberal, I'm a Democrat, but I like, you know, I'll just support anyone who is brave enough to say that. And so I ended up receiving a lot of LGBT or black followers who are not Republican, not libertarian at all. And so I think that increased my platform and increased my reach to people who probably would never have followed me if they didn't know that. So I think yeah, um, exactly. there's more of a positive, there's more of a benefit than a negative.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds great. Well, And it's a benefit to you personally, too. You know, it's like your emotional sense well-being, not having to worry about that yeah, coming out. Very- that's got to be the biggest weight off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I feel awesome. very relieved.
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then, you know, talking about how you're received by people, um, you know, on campus, I don't know how East Stroudsburg uh, University is. It's in PA, which is where I'm from. You know, you might detect a little Philly accent in me. So I was curious to see, and I went to Penn State, but, um, I was just to see, you know, how liberal is the campus? Is it as liberal as anywhere else? And do you have people on campus? Do, you, do they give you a shit for being out there and being more conservative? You know, do you, do you uh, get any uh, side eye from people or any of that kind of shit? Or is it pretty know, much just, you know, we'll, all good?
0: we'll see when I go back to campus because this whole past year I've been online because of COVID. We didn't have all oh, that's right. We didn't have in-person that's school right. at all. And so I'm a junior. I'm going to be a third year this year. So my freshman year, I did do in-person. Um, And I was on Twitter and I was on YouTube and stuff, but I want to say I had probably under 30,000, which is like, I know it's still like a sizable amount, but I wasn't like nearly as blown up as I am now. Like that was before I got, I was on TV and stuff. So certain people knew, but it was mainly just people I told. Like it wasn't like people were like finding my Twitter and trying to cancel me and stuff. Um, Fast forward to a couple months ago, A year, actually, a year ago, I did a video with the Daily Caller about transgender athletes in sports, and it really blew up. It got like well over. I want to talk to you about that. Yeah,
1: let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, tell me your tell me your take on it. So I'm not. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, especially with the Olympics coming up and the two Olympic stories. Obviously, the sprinter who's been suspended for smoking weed, which is ridiculous, and then um, uh, the transgender athlete from uh, New Zealand, I believe, competing competing in weightlifting. So tell me a little bit about yeah your article and. And then we can get into your thoughts on that or your video, I should say, and then your thoughts on that.
0: Well, let me finish my little anecdote first. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Um, So I came up with that video. It got like well over a million views and went hella viral. And I had hella people I knew sending that to me being like, is this you? My little brother who just watches gaming (laughs) YouTubers all the time, like he's 14, who watches gaming YouTubers all the time. One of his favorite big gaming YouTubers posted the video. And he was like, he was freaked out that he saw his sister on his like, you know his favorite gaming youtuber channel or whatever (laughs) and one day this like the one liberal kid on my wrestling team on the men's team like sent my video into the group chat like hmm. into the wrestling group chat with my coaches and shit in it and he was like just in case anyone hadn't seen this yet and i don't like this kid we always kind of had like i never really liked him um and he was always like kind of flirting with me i was never interested i think he was like kind of like he would like neg me like all the time you know do a little insult and being like hey want to hang out later i'd be like no um (laughs) anyways so he says this into the chat then i see i'm like nervous i'm like not typing anything because i didn't even know that he has seen it and then like four or five messages pouring. Like I agree with her. I agree with her. She's right from the girls and the men's team that were both in the chat. So I was like, okay, dope. Like that was really the only time anyone tried to like expose me or whatever for my, yeah, and you knew mood.
1: exactly what the little asshole is doing. I mean, it's clear, yeah. clear as intent. And I love the language people use too. It's just always in case anyone helpful. Hasn't seen this yet. <laughs> it's always, it's always yeah. so helpful. I, right? Yeah, I, messaged
0: privately, <laughs> I messaged him privately. I was like, why didn't uh, you just like talk to me about it? Like, why did you send it? Exactly. To and he was like, I just wanted to make sure everybody saw it. I was like, like, yeah that's pretty mm.
1: shady <laughs> yeah thank you for that buddy thanks for that so yeah so tell us a little bit uh, about the views you have there and uh, like i said it's gonna be interesting and and obviously everybody's gonna be keeping a keen eye on the olympics to see what does happen um i should look up the person's name right now while you're it's talking about, yeah tell me your t- oh there you go yeah. there you go see, so t- tell I'm me rubbish. your
0: taste
1: <laughs> bingo I'm baby well you're young your brain's not filled with garbage like mine is that you have to you know smack out of there all the time you can remember yeah, these
0: things i guess i like smoke too much weed for that to be an excuse though anyways <laughs> don't tell the olympic committee <laughs> <laughs> i know um uh so yeah my views of, on this have always been consistent and i want to make it clear to people in the comments or whatever you're going to see it it's not out of like hatred bigotry none of that i don't want to ban people from transitioning or ban people from identifying how they want to identify that's not what i'm about it's about safety and it's about equality. And I feel like allowing people who are not biological women into women's sports just does away with title nine. It just kind of makes it obsolete because then we'll have a men's division in sports and then basically a mixed sex or a mixed gender or a co-ed version of sports. And, you know, women just won't really have a fair chance. And this example is pretty much a right-wing fever dream, to be honest, of a huge trans woman who lived as a biological man for the majority of their life until they're about 40, late 30s, because they're like 43 now, um, and is competing in powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting which is like such a, you know, cause people were telling me like, oh, this never happens. Like, what do you care if somebody competes in like a high school volleyball tournament or like golf or something that doesn't work, re- you know, require a, like a shit ton of strength or something or, mm. you know, pure brute force, but no, it's happening. And so Laurel Hubbard competed as a man for years, didn't do very well, did not make the Olympic team, did not, you know, break any records or do anything very extraordinary. And now that they've been competing as a woman since I believe 2017 or 2018, fairly recently for, yeah. you know, somebody who's 42 or a 43. recent
1: transition, yeah.
0: Yeah. is um, now on the Olympic team and won the Pacific Games, which is, you know, the Island Games down there with, you know, in the American Samoa and all those kind of things. And there was this podium picture that went kind of viral that I posted of Laurel Hubbard, who is very, very tall, very, very white, and these two short women on second and third place who are brown, like they're Pacific Islander indigenous. And I was just like, the imagery here (laughs) is very interesting because, you know, liberals must look at that and have to struggle between, is this white supremacist patriarchy or is this feminism in progress? Because to me, it looked like they were giving us spots or they were taking a spot away from biological women um, Mm. who could have made the Olympic team or who could have won the Pacific games. Um, yeah. and another thing I researched a little bit was that the average age of these women's powerlifters are like in their they're like 25, they're under 30. Right. Because it you know, it breaks down a woman's body. I mean, it's just it's I commend women who lift weight, I lift weights for wrestling, but it's not like a it's not a very long career. You know, people get injured and women's bodies just get injured from this long term. So for somebody who is middle aged, how
1: Oh, uh, and Eli who lost are your college
0: first. age. For, sorry, I know. I, <laughs> okay, so yeah, you,
1: you but, cut out just for a second. Right, we lost right, we'll you right after uh, talking about just how women's bodies aren't going to hold up under that, and also how this guy's able to compete at an mm-hmm. older uh, age level. I think is where we cut out.
0: Yeah, so it's just it it puts a little bit in perspective to see somebody who is like forty three competing with twenty five year olds, and they're beating them, you know, by a good margin. And you're like, well, there's clearly a biological advantage here. And they're also like very, very tall. Like I don't know their exact height, but they look at least like 6'2 or 6'3. So I'm just like, I don't know how anyone could not see this as unfair. But the IOC has said that as long as they're on estrogen and, you know, they lower the, t- the testosterone levels, which of course won't reverse their male puberty and won't reverse, yeah. you know, their male height and male arm span and male lung capacity and bone density, you know, it might, it, it it might, it very well may, you know, break down some muscle, but there are still a lot of advantages that come with just being born into a male body. It is what it is. But so yeah. this is the same IOC committee that is like, we're going to be so woke that we're going to allow this, but we're not going to allow a black girl that smokes weed. Again, it looks like white supremacy to me. Like, that's just, if I was a leftist, I would be like, you know, waving a flag and like, you know, boycotting the Olympics or whatever. I would be up in arms well, about it.
1: It's very interesting that it's like they're both drug related because, you know, you could argue that to transition to being a female, you're taking certain drugs or certain supplements or certain mm-hmm. hormones that would adjust who you are, how your body performs. And, mm-hmm. you know, well, I guess you could argue that it is a performance D enhancer for a man. So to transition. Right. Well, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going. So is weed. And it doesn't make any sense logically to argue that these two things can't, it's, if you're going to have one, you're going to have the other. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, absolutely absurd. And yeah, to your point, I mean, I, Again, I'm all for trans. If you want to be trans, go for it. You know, live and let live. I, I have no go be issue trans. with it. But, live
0: your best trans yeah, go life. Be trans. I will not stop you.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like you said, it is it, empirically, you look at the differences and people will say, oh, there's no biological. It's a construct. It's not. There are clear biological differences.
0: I don't know what's going through people's minds when they say that they don't live in reality. I feel like right. it may hurt their feelings to recognize that, you know, if you genuinely have gender dysphoria, and you might not like being told that you are biologically what you are. I get it. But people should not be rallying around a distorted viewpoint and being and, and enabling that to the point right, where it exactly. becomes the norm. So, exactly. yeah. And a lot and of is trans people would agree. Away. A lot of trans people would agree. I did a live stream with Blair White, who's a trans woman, who's a Republican. And I, you know, I'm very respectful. Like I'll, if someone wants to, me to call them a female name, like I'll call Blair Blair. Oh, yeah. Like that's, that's her legal name. Like she, legally change her name to blair i've never known her as a man that's it um but even blair was telling me that if she was paired up with another woman and she's small like she's like five four maybe like 120 115 if they paired up by height weight she said she would still be stronger just because she feels like even though she's been under all the surgeries you know she looks like a woman she has a small frame you know estrogen boobs all that she would still be stronger mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I I think it takes an unbiased view like that to recognize that it's not coming out of a place of hatred. It's not coming out of a place of, like, I, I don't want to, like, you know, send any death threats or rude comments to Laurel Hubbard's way or anything like that. It's really on the IOC, I think. Um, yeah. On some level, though, I do think that even if you, you know, you are suffering from gender dysphoria and things like this, you do have to have a sense of, like, self-awareness to look at yourself and be like, why do I have to compete against the women though? Like, why do I have to? Because Mm -hmm. I think you can look internally and know that you look different and you are built differently than these girls. And it's just not going to be fair. So I do feel like to some level, it may stem from a little bit of misogyny. Like, you know, you genuinely feel like you have the right to beat women in the sport that they worked their whole lives for and competing against other women for, and you haven't. But again, it's not like I think all trans people think like that. I just think to be a biological male and want to train or fight or compete against women, you probably are a little bit sexist in my opinion.
1: Yeah, maybe so. And there's also, you know, any athlete, you know, I, I did athletics growing up and all that in, in college and high school. So, you know, it's one of those things where as an athlete too, you have that competitive mentality and yeah, without a doubt, there's probably an aspect to it too of this is going to be an advantage. I now know that I can win and do better. Cause like you said, the guy's 43, the girl, she is 43 and competing against far, far younger people, clearly couldn't hold hold a candle to the other men in the sport or wouldn't need to do this or would have waited to transition or at least have tra- had transitioned and still be competing as a man mm-hmm. so yeah there's a lot to be said for that but you know you said something that i want to come back to was just it's not fair and when you talk about these people that argue these policies and argue you know progressive point, points of view they always talk about how everything has to be fair and this is the most unfair yeah, they're literally never thing athletes. in sport they're never Just right? supposed to be left on the field right yeah and of course not
0: of course not I had people argue with me um, in the second video I did the Daily Caller, basically doing a part two to the verse the first video about trans trans athletes in sports. I had several comments from a lot of left libertarians because apparently my video made rounds on that side of Twitter, which is fine. I do follow. a lot of I do I do <laughs> follow vocal. some left libertarians. Some of them are pretty dope. Like I do have a couple yeah. that I like, but you know it made its ways to those super woke wokeitarians, and mm-hmm. I had a couple comments that were like who cares? It's just high school sports. There's nothing riding on it. It's just high school sports. It's just for fun. I'm like, that is coming from somebody who clearly never had to rely on a scholarship to get to college, yep, never exactly. had to rely on sports to even be accepted into college, you know, never had to rely on, um, you know, winning something just to feel good about themselves. Like I, I like winning, you know, I'm not saying I needed to survive, you know, I work hard, but it's, it's about giving equal opportunity. And they were like, well, you can't even find a, you know example of this existing in high schools because the particular video i did was about public schools and there's a there's been an ongoing lawsuit in connecticut about the top two track placers yeah. from 2017 to the 2019 being two biological males who had transitioned to females in their teens and yeah. they were always the top two you know sometimes one would be first one would be second or vice versa but they would always hold the top two spaces and there was an interview with a girl who had came in like third, fourth, fifth place like she was a top runner but she was not winning anymore who said that it took the fun out of the sport because we all know who's going to win you know right. and there she's really competing for third or fourth place so even if, even if it's not, you know, riding on a college scholarship or a college acceptance or being scouted to a team, it's about having a fair chance to win. And it just, I could tell it just kind of destroyed her self-esteem to go through I, that. I do
1: wonder also, you know, the, so the two, uh, two males who transitioned to females were both black and mm-hmm. the, the women complaining or the girls complaining were white. And I do, in the back of my mind, wonder if those were reversed. Would this be getting more support? You know, if they were black girls, you know, let's say this is an underprivileged community and there were black girls that weren't able to get college scholarships. Do you think the media narrative would be changed on this rather than full-fledged support people pointing out that they're taking opportunities away? But because it's a white chick, Nobody's really worried about that cuz she'll still go to college she'll still do whatever that you know in their minds.
0: Yeah, I think people might have assumed like oh her parents will just pay for college like she don't need right? a track scholarship. Yeah. But as I said it's not even about that. It's about the principle of it. It's about giving her an equal chance to win. And oh, one sure. of the one of the girls that the Daily Caller did interview for this was actually I believe she was biracial. She was at least part black. So it wasn't like it was like white against black or like it wasn't mm-hmm. like minorities were separated. It just you know, it just so happened that the two uh, trans athletes were both black but um i do i do think that there is some truth to that because once i pointed out i posted this podium pic of laurel hubbard standing over these two women of color mm-hmm. you know some people were like uh that looks a little bit sus like that exactly. looks a little crazy <laughs> and then i went even further to say like i said before the ioc is woke enough to allow a white biological male into the women's division but not a black girl who smokes weed yeah, yeah again Sometimes I like to play the left games just to point out the hypocrisy to them and sometimes it works, sometimes oh, for it sure. doesn't. I well, personally you know. I don't personally I don't really view it in such a racial lens because I think it's more about the wokeness of transgenderism. I just think it's more like woke wokeness kind of left black people behind. I think it's more about the LGBT movement now. So I don't think it's like about white supremacy, but it's just like they have more priorities now. Uh yeah. so yeah.
1: Well, let's see. I, so I want to two other talks I want to get into here. Uh, one is actually before I do that, I'm going to transition to a quick plug for my buddy over at Burn a Daylight, another podcast, which you should check out. You uh, you grew up shooting guns and hunting things. It's called Burning Daylight for Matt McKinley. He is a sponsor of our uh, our show, or uh, I should say, he's a big time patron of ours. So we give him a shout out. Literally a cowboy that rides around talking liberty, rustling some cattle. Well, not rustling. He's not stealing them, but you know, he's ushering them along. <laughs> and anyway, it's a good listen and a good dude. So make sure to check that out, guys. Burning Daylight. Um, so which one do you want to talk about first? We're talking about. You know, before the show, I told you there were two stories I wanted to talk about with you, just off topic news bits to break up, uh, you know, straight interview format. Uh, do you want to talk about Britney first, or do you want to talk about the Jimmy Dore Let's and the young people at each other's Let's talk throats? Talk about Britney. Yeah? Uh, Hashtag free, free Britney.
0: My, yeah, free Britney. <laughs> Leave Britney alone. Free Britney. <laughs> Leave Britney alone. <laughs> for real, though, because for the longest time, people were acting like all these conspiracy theorists were crazy. like you know, people were, I have been following Britney Spears Instagram for some time and I realized that, you know, she was slowly going crazy. You know, she was posting the same little dance videos over and over again. She looked a little bit unhinged, you know, mm. her hair and makeup is kind of crazy. And she has this like shady ass boyfriend who it doesn't seem like they're married or anything. Doesn't seem like, but they've been together for a long time. So I wasn't sure what was going on. And she never posts pictures with friends, never posts pictures with her kids. It's like, she doesn't you know, go out or see anybody. And, right. of course, everybody else noticed that. I'm not, I wasn't never a Britney Spears, like, super fan. Again, going to make you old. But the, I she know. She, old I old. know. She's outside of your time.
1: time. She's my era. Yeah.
0: Look, like, when she was big, I was, like, 10 years old. So, it wasn't like I yeah. was, like, listening to it that much. I do listen to her now, though. But,
1: but, you know, that money, we is all, we to all listen hear. to Britney eventually.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> now that I know every Britney. time I stream, every time I stream her songs is going to her dad. So that really sucks. Yes, but. I
1: know. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> Let's talk. Let's give a little bit of background here for people that don't know. So Britney Spears was recently in, uh, in a courtroom arguing to have her conservative ship removed and her father's controlled this for what's seen. It's gotta be decades now, you know, it's, yeah, like, it's, gotta it's be since, like 20 years. Yeah, I mean, because she went, she had that breakdown and was out, you know, shaving her head and bashing cars and all that stuff. And she had a conservatorship put on, and her father, who is, from everything I can see, a scumbag who wasn't even really that big of a part of her life, has now mm-hmm. been put in charge of her money. Uh, he gives her, uh, you know, allocations for funding. He dictates how often she can do a lot of things, see her kids, what drugs she has to take, and it had come out in this. Court if she can have that,
0: kids, or if she can get married. Yeah, if like- she, She came out and said that she was forced to have an IUD and she couldn't get married to her boyfriend and they've been dating for like five or six years and she wants to get married and have a family and all this kind of stuff, Um, which is super ridiculous. And also, I think um, I I know she might have or maybe one of her sons has a restraining order against her father because he like hit them or shoved them or threw them. I think he like shoved them into a wall or something, but he was like abusive Mm -hmm. to his grandsons, a.k.a. her sons. It just seems like he's like all around like shit bag. Um, no. and from what I've seen, the judge has basically no plans to release her or at least remove the dad from the conservatorship. Right. Cause I, I think at least if she must have a conservatorship, if she is that unstable, which I don't think she is, I think she is being trapped and, you know, basically enslaved for her dad's profit, she, but they exactly. can at least give the conservatorship to somebody else, you know, uh, uh, an impartial third party. Well, who's well not here's the question.
1: Here's a question for you, and I agree. I was gonna, I wanted to talk about this story because I can't think of a better definition of modern day American slavery than what she is being put through by her father. It sounds I mean, like a
0: nightmare,
1: she, to be honest. She's he's for, literally forcing her to work. She said that she was forced to sit down and record. You know, sit down has studio time. Otherwise, she's threatened with not seeing her children. And, and she's drugged
0: with lithium and, and so being she's drugged. All yeah. I just can you I, imagine. It well that's the question a that i had for you for
1: yeah do you think that she is everything you've seen kind of what happened with her do you think it's because she is put on different drugs she's forced in this life so i mean who oh, would go insane because all of
0: those that? like all those like iconic pictures of her like crying and the paparazzi is catching her crying or shaving her head and,
1: uh, the, oh i lost you again hold on go back to shaving through, her like, head whenever you wait, wait, wait i lost you at shaving her head now you're back
0: <laughs> okay but like all these pictures that were so iconic in like the early 2000s like oh my god britney's on like the front of a magazine like being crazy and crying in front of paparazzi and yelling at paparazzi and like being seen being like dragged somewhere stumbling in public like i feel like it's because she was drugged and mentally ill and not you know being taken care of and it just seems it seems horrible to me it seems sad
1: well, it's like one of those things. If you're forced into this lifestyle where you are, you know, empirically not in control of anything in your life, you're definitely going to start breaking down mentally. And you're also going to take that out and probably start to abuse yourself to cope with it in other ways, like drinking too much, like maybe taking your meds too much. Like, I mean, just you could any number of things that people kind of go down once they start to find they have no control of their lives to try to exercise control. Yeah. Right. And, and then I'm that like, comes out in at, different ways that can be yeah. very self harming.
0: I'm looking at her though, and I'm like, you know, she does seem a little bit off her rocker. I'm not going to lie. She doesn't seem like she's all the way there, probably because she's on drugs. She's got a little call, crazy eyes
1: going. You know, well, she very, you know, she's very
0: unhappy. And <laughs> she's been abused and essentially locked in her house yeah. for like 15, 20 years, just let out to yeah. go make her that money. So I think- after have to be would, locked
1: away. She didn't even get to be interviewed by Sam J. like you did after the five-day quarantine.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like anyone would go a little bit crazy from that but and i'm looking at all these other celebrities that are doing like crazy crazy shit i'm like how are they not being forced into a conservatorship like there are many celebrities who have had crazy mental breakdowns have gone to rehab have been drug addicts have been homeless you know have said like very just politically incorrect things there have been celebrities who have been you know sexual abusers who have been you know, physical... Where's, yeah. Where's Army
1: Hammer's uh, conservative ship? Right, the guy that wanted to eat people. You yeah, know, we're talking right? about the fuck him. Amber Heard <laughs> can we get can we get Ar- Army yeah. Hammer? Yeah,
0: I mean, he was he was a cannibal. Amber Heard is like beating the <laughs> shit out of Johnny Depp every day. Right. she still gets movies. She doesn't have a conservatorship. Like, yep. there's like crazy, awful people in Hollywood. And it's like, okay, maybe Brittany, maybe she has done some damaging things to herself or to her brand, but she should have that right as an American to do whatever she wants to herself and to her brand. And she's not hurting anybody else. Like some of these other people are straight up abusing people. So it just, I don't know how this shit is legal at all.
1: Uh, I don't either. That's that's what really boggles my mind about it. And again, it's hopefully something one of those things that wakes Americans up to like, look, you you need to look at what power you have and what you don't have and how the justice system is set up. Because if somebody can't have their entire life controlled, removed over something as, I don't know, insignificant as kind of losing your shit with the paparazzi or chasing you and hounding you 24 seven, an understandable amount of stress, then, you know, who's to say all of us can be submitted to that?
0: And she was like, this is at the height of the paparazzi. And be like, not everything. Now, somebody's are very easily reached on social media, paparazzi pictures. Like they don't get paid as much because it's composed yeah. post a selfie and that that'll be their picture for the day instead of paparazzi following them around to get their outfit or whatever. And Britney Spears was like the top pop icon at the time. She was probably being harassed like literally 24-7. Yeah. And she's she young. Everything. I mean, think how yeah. young she was at the
1: time, too. It's not like she, she's like 40 now. And yeah. Jesus, give the girl her life back.
0: This is like her entire life. And, you know, it, it just, I don't know. It makes me sad.
1: Yeah. Free me. Okay, leave, Britney topic. <laughs> leave Britney
0: alone. Leave
1: Brittany alone. Freer than leave her alone. Um, if, you know, send it free. And if she loves you, she'll come back to you, dad. So the last thing, just real quick, and you know, I'll, I'll make this story brief. I don't know how much you read about it, but right now, Jimmy Dore, who I actually like uh, uh, from a leftist perspective, I think he's very good on anti-war issues, the drug war. So he's got a lot of things I like, even though I don't agree with him on everything. He's a you know, stand-up comedian and now a personality on YouTube and used to be on the Young Turks. He's in a war with the Young Turks, uh, Cenk Unger and uh, and his uh, paramour, or he claims they're not in a relationship, but um,
0: Whatever. I can
1: hurt him. Yeah, whatever her name is. So, Anna what's something. interesting? Yeah, right. and well, I'll I'll click on it and, and uh, say <laughs> in a minute. But what's interesting about this is that Anna Kasparian. That's it. Yeah, is that we've long suspected, right, that a lot of these movements that are created from the left out of the best intentions, like Me Too, right? Hashtag Me Too was created with the best intentions from people with real harmful. Instances of what happened to them in life. A lot of people that were taken advantage of in Hollywood or in sports. I mean, you know, even in we're talking about like Olympics and wrestling. I think it was Ohio State that had the wrestling coach involved in uh, improprieties. Olympics or oh, the Olympics come out. I think yeah, it was. um, God, God I, yeah, I believe it was Ohio State's wrestling coach, and then the Olympics. A lot of the Olympics coaches were in, involved in improprieties, in as they say. So they start off with these great intentions, right, and then. It quickly becomes obvious that people grab them and run with them for their own vendettas. And, you know, we talk about like you were worried about, uh, and this is why I want to get into this, you know, when you came out uh, as as being bisexual on Sam J's show, and you go, Okay, well, now I don't have to worry about somebody coming after me with some allegation or some some screenshot. But we see in this this interaction between the young Turks and Jimmy Dore, Anna Kasparian threatening Jimmy Dore with basically hashtag me chewing him over inappropriate comments that were made. And like uh, this is a, ago,
0: like, yeah, and it yeah, was exactly like years ago. And I read, I, you know, I saw the screenshot. I read the article you sent me to read up on it. And the last mm. message that Jimmy sent was like, Hey, hope all is well. And that was like in 2016. Great. And he was like, you yeah, know, so none of the hope, all, hope all is well. All is well. <laughs> and she's like, thank you so much. Fast forward to <laughs> 2021. She's like, you know what? I remember you saying I looked sexy in my jeans and saying that you wanted to buy the same jeans for your wife so she could dress better. <laughs> and I'm not gonna forget about it. I'm gonna expose you. I'm like, okay, yeah. is that inappropriate? I don't know what kind of relation, what, what kind of workplace relationship they've had. If it was somebody I don't know, if it was you know an older male boss of mine who I don't know that well, I would be like, yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty inappropriate. Um, but I have, you know, I can't speak to their workplace relationship because like I have friends that I, quote unquote sexually harass all the time and it's fine. Um, yeah, and, it's a, and he's a comedian
1: <laughs> and like you said, you know, you, it's just, yeah. it's a lot of times it's, it's developing on the relationship, you know, sometimes you sexually harass in the efforts of comedy. I'm sure he was joking around. I doubt he was seriously trying. Yeah, to I mean,
0: I, I can <laughs> definitely imagine him saying like, oh, I like those jeans. Like they would look sexy in my wife. Like I need her to like, wear. The, like, I don't know. It could have came across wrong, but it doesn't seem like he's a rapist. That's all.
1: Right, exactly. But it's just interesting yeah. to see, and this is what I want to get your take on this too. Is I, I've seen far more, and yeah, you know, granted, are seeing this with libertarians and kind of the the wokesters versus the non woke and libertarian factions as well, uh, and using kind of underhanded tactics. But you do tend to see, I think, more on the left than the right, uh, at least so far, is the twisting and the and the no hesitation use of personal attacks. You know, almost insignificant instances in the past to try to utterly destroy people. And that's what's interesting to me in watching this play out and like kind of the, the, you know, Ouroboros of the snake eating its tail of how these people that are so in this space are operating.
0: Wait, let's talk about how she even came across to accuse him of this because it didn't even have to do with him at first, right? Right. Because they were calling another YouTuber, they were calling somebody else.
1: Uh yeah, Aaron Mate, like, I think it was like a independent journalist saying yeah. that he was a Russia gator and getting paid off by Russia is how it started.
0: Yeah, and that he was like uh, for like Assad and shit. And mm-hmm. so Jimmy Dore is like no, like Russia like this is a false allegation and it didn't seem like anything that he said warranted him being accused of sexual harassment 5 years ago. And right. the sexual uh, it's like if you want to if you're going to go all out and try to cancel someone, come up with like something better, like if you're, I don't think anyone's genuinely gonna cancel anyone for saying, "Hey, you look, you look hot in those jeans. You look hot right, in those jeans." Like that's the worst thing he said to you. But you I'm sorry, like, I don't feel that bad. I, I don't no, feel that. Nor bad. nor
1: should you. But you nailed it. That it's what's amazing to me is that trigger, right? It, it's like over what? Over him disagreeing with you and saying that you can't just say somebody's being paid off by Russia because they don't agree with you because they didn't think Russia Gate and Trump was real, which we know it wasn't. I mean that that that's what kind of surprised me is the vitriol and the, I will cancel you over almost nothing. Like sh- they could have let it go. They could have done their own show. You know, what is it? They about could have the mentality of debated over
0: topic. They could have just debated what? over that topic. Um, that would be the
1: adult thing to do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I, I honestly have, I honestly have no idea. I don't know why the left does this because as soon as you come for somebody else or something so minuscule and so tiny like that, in everyone's nobody's perfect everyone says something unsavory everyone says something that's not politically correct everyone has made somebody else feel uncomfortable when somebody came up to me and sorry okay everyone's said something that made somebody else uncomfortable whether we know it or believe it or not like if somebody came up to me and it was like hey five years ago you said i looked I, my butt looked good in a singlet and it made me uncomfortable i'd be like whoa like i'm sorry like i <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's like everyone has some shit. Like everyone has said yeah. shit like that. I don't know.
1: And like you said, you might not even remember it. You know, you, I don't know if Jimmy Dore I even remembers here, this. And also, I how do you prove it? it? How do you prove it? You can't even prove it's true. It's not like she hasn't recorded. Is it on camera? I don't know. Probably even if not. It
0: was, even if she had a, a GoPro video of Jimmy Dore looking at her and being like, you look sexy hot in those jeans. I would like, <laughs> what? What? Like, who cares? All right.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Like what? Like yeah. I thought you were it seems like from the DM that was just barely shown that they had like a nice friendly relationship and that she liked him and that he liked her and generally were, you know, fine. So yeah. I don't see the issue.
1: I don't either. Well, this has been awesome. I'll wrap it up here. We're at an hour right now. So tell people where can they go to find you. I'm also going to link to this in the show notes, by the way. So I'll link to your Twitter and your pages. But just in case people are only listening, tell them where they can find you and follow you and everything else. Read you, watch you, et cetera.
0: Awesome. So I'm trying to get more subscribers on YouTube. It's just my name, Olivia Ronda R O N D E A U. And you can also find me on Twitter. And I just made a new Instagram for politics because I just had a thirst trap Instagram. And I was like, I don't want these people <laughs> from Twitter following that one. So let me make it. A I was going to
1: say, you look sexy in that singlet. Don't hold it against me in five <laughs> years.
0: <laughs>
1: um, oh. oh, hold on. You cut out again. One more time. Cut out again. Go back to right after. YouTube, uh, or you said you said you have a political Instagram, and then you start cutting out again. So pick okay, up from there. Yeah, I'm not going to ser- edit this, by the way, but just know <laughs> that's what you left off.
0: Okay, yeah, just search my name on all platforms: O L I B I A R O N D E A U on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, and you can find me. And I'm also a regular contributor to Fee, and I also do some video work for the Daily Caller, and I'm a columnist for the Rogue Review.
1: All right, there you go. Olivia, this has been a joy and a pleasure. Uh, Keep up the good work. Awesome talking to you. And I will keep keep Twitter bothering you, I'm sure, and joking with you. So hope to see you soon on the show or in various other formats, wherever they might be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you.
1: (laughs) All right, bye-bye. All right, guys. Well, that was the interview with uh, Olivia Rondeau. She's fantastic. I uh, became a really big fan of hers, not only on Twitter, but also just in seeing, again, like on Sam J and interacting with her. She's a wonderful person. So please do check her out on all the platforms. Check us out on all the platforms. On Twitter at Lions of Liberty, we have our YouTube channel, which has Crossed the 5,000 Subscriber Threshold, which is great. So keep liking that. Subscribe it. Share it. Share the podcast. And as a last reminder... Mark Claire every Monday has fantastic interviews on his show, the flagship lines of Liberty, John Odermatt Thursdays with finding freedom. Uh, probably, you know, we we're talking about, um, uh, the guy uh, that was with Olivia on the show there, I like his story. I'm going to try to get John to have him on because he does more of that because he had a fascinating story, which uh, Olivia covered, where he bought a defunct building, tried to turn it into a camp for underprivileged youth, especially uh black youth, and just went through a whole rigmarole with the state, with the public teachers union. So fascinating stuff. Maybe John can get him on. But either way, check those shows out and uh, hit the subscribe, hit the share button and give us a five star review, too, if you'd be so kind. Otherwise, that's going to do it. From me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.